Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so that we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. I'm Chris Perkins, president of CoinFund. I'm a combat Marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Luca, who's dedicated their time and resources to make this podcast possible. For our 19th episode, we'll be speaking with IDF veteran, Adam Sager, the founder of Seneca Blockchain. Welcome, Adam. Thank you, Chris. Great to be here. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, first off, tell us about your background. See, I grew up in California when I was... 18, decided to move to Israel and volunteer for the IDF. Had no family or friends out there, but, um, you know, connection to, to Israel. And, and uh, my father was, was a veteran of the U.S. military. But where I grew up in Northern California, there was no one that joined the military. No one from my high school, no one from my neighborhood. It just wasn't, didn't even know that was an option. And um, so when I had the opportunity um, to serve, that that was the option that I chose and, and moved out to Israel and uh, stayed out there six years um, serving and then in university and moved back to the States and have been pretty much in, in the tech world ever since. Well, wow, it's quite a transition to go from Northern California uh, to Israel. Can you unpack your military experience? What was that like? Well, I ended up um, in, a, in a unit that's a, essentially a combat scouting unit connected to the army in Israel and um, small teams that were trained for, for warfare. Um, in Israel, there, there's always a conflict, but there's not always war. And war, you know, with uh, standing armies is um, a little bit different than, than anti-terror or other kind of campaigns that are ongoing all the time. And so we, we trained for, for warfare primarily. We were very um, tech forward. So, I mean, this is back in the 90s and we had lots of computer equipment and GPS tools and, and others that um, were military grade and of course, and, and um, helped us pinpoint uh, troop movements and, and, um, and communicate effectively across the country. And so it, it was kind of a foray into technology, but, but very much from a combat perspective. I imagine that's had some application in the future. So, so, so you completed your military service. You said that was six years. Uh, military was a little was a little over two years, two and a half years. Two years, right? And then um, university was the rest of the time, uh, rest yep. of the six years. So you transitioned from the military into university, right? Um, how how was that transition? You know, um, after that, I I just after the the military, um, you know, I learned Hebrew in the military. Didn't grow up speaking, wow. and so the um, you know the choice was to come to the U school in the U.S. three years after, you know, my, my buddies who were in school and universities across the U.S. or um, stay in Israel and, you know, be the same age and um, same experience as everyone. So I decided to do that, but had to, you know, had to figure out a much deeper understanding of the language before um, and learned on the fly. I I'd say I'm still learning to this day. Um, and um, but it was great. I, I studied philosophy and logic. Um, the, uh, the subjects I always knew I wanted to study and, uh, I'm biased, but you know, I think among the more important subjects to study in, in uh, university. And, uh, so it was a great, it was a fantastic experience, a very different kind of 
university experience in Israel and in the U.S., um, but um, you know, challenging and rewarding. So I know in the United States, when a lot of folks transition out of service to university, oftentimes there, you know, there aren't too many other veterans around on campus. Is, is the experience different in Israel? I know that there's a lot of folks who do serve. Um, and so were many of your classmates then also uh, folks with military backgrounds? All of them. So yeah. um, that's the that's the difference. The entire country, men and women serve. So when you're in university, it does a few things. First, it makes the experience more serious. So people yeah. are they're there because they choose to be there and they want to learn. They're not there. You know, people like to have fun, but it's much different from the U.S. Unfortunately, I mean, we don't have the levels of parties and, you know, fun. And I was there living by myself, not with my family and and wanted, unlike a lot of Israelis who may live at home or go home on the weekends, but they were all military. And so, you know, when you finish military in Israel, you do reserve duty. Um, when you live in the country, it's mandatory. And the whole university system is built understanding that. So if you're in reserve duty, you can retake a test the month after, or you, if you miss class, everyone understands it. And it's just built into the university system, uh, how to work with the military and if you're called up and, and it's entirely flexible around that military experience. So I imagine, you know, dramatically different than if you just joined university here. Super interesting. So you graduate from university and you transition. What did you do in the job force before crypto? Um, so when I first came back to the U.S., um, probably like uh, many people, um, post-military, post-university, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I did grow up in California, um, Northern California, and so I had been coding, not not well, but coding from middle school. And um, so I, I was familiar, like, very into tech. Uh, by that time, I had um, a, I had a blog and I built a few websites and... and um, uh, but my first job was in marketing. <laughs> that was the job I got. Um, worked for a famous guy, um, John Paul DeGioia, who's a, uh, he founded Paul Mitchell Hair Care Company, Patron Tequila, and a number of other companies, and uh, was lucky enough to to work for him. Um, and um, what I really wanted to be involved in something re related to security, defense, that whole world. And so soon after, um, soon after 9-11, actually, I was able to, um, I met the head of security for Citibank at the time, who had just formed a department. And um, he said, you know, look, I'm forming this group. We're trying to put together all security aspects. And security meant uh, physical security, business continuity, and what they now call cyber security, but then it was just, it was fraud and, you know, credit card fraud and, and um, IT risk and things like that. Um, early days of anti-money laundering all under one umbrella. And my job back then was to help figure out how to turn that into a business and help, how do we integrate divisions and departments and um, how do we build a security program? And so spend a few years and put together what became like a $300 million, you know, global security program and the biggest, one of the biggest in the world, if not the biggest uh, for any corporate entity. And uh, that was my kind of my, my way of using um, security in funny story. I mean, back then I met the, um, the CEO of uh, city 
and um, he saw, oh, you were, you know, uh, Sandy Weil, a Jewish guy, he saw I was in the IDF, and, he's, and he gave me a um, job opportunity to, um, to run security on his yacht in the Mediterranean. And the job was, look, you, you sit on the yacht for a year, and you never leave. You, can't, you don't go home, you don't do anything, you're just on the yacht for a year in the Mediterranean. And I may come there like once or twice. Otherwise, you're just on the yacht with the rest of the crew. And um, it was very tempting, but at that point, I was already the mindset, like, I need to be more serious and have something that's going to advance my career. So a little little regret, <laughs> um, but um, I didn't take that, take him up on that. But um, I was able to spend, you know, a good, um, you know, eight years or so doing the same thing, building security programs for, you know, a few dozen of the world's largest companies mining and tech and um and real estate and communication companies and, and oil and gas and others and just traveling around the world helping them figure out like all right how do we you know how do we protect our our assets our our uh, staff our um you know our partners our you know wh whatever the type of company was uh, how do we do it in a cost-effective way how do we protect the ceo um was involved in kidnap and ransom activities in the whole kind of world of corporate security. Um, that was my, that was my life for a number of years. City was my life for a number of years as well. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had a, there's some really good, good um, number of leaders were very supportive at the time, whether it was SUNY Hartford who ran markets or um, Dick Parsons was a vet as well um, along with Mike O'Neill. So we had back-to-back -back chairmans of, of the board, uh, Parsons was a, an army vet and then, uh, Mike O'Neill was a Marine. Great, great guy. So you ended up in crypto. How did that happen? During that time, I would always take breaks and I started, I just kept starting companies and almost all of them were, you know, I guess unsuccessful, you know, when in hindsight, I mean, some of them I may have made some money in e-commerce and a fitness application, whatever. And, um, I started, uh, back in 2012. Uh, in an IoT company called Canary, and we were, you know, we were the, one of the early pioneer um, IoT companies focused on security. So it was uh, how do we? The thesis was how do we protect people um, in their homes, or I guess more like how do we enable people to protect themselves? That's that's kind of a central theme, um, and we raised a ton of money and grew that company. Uh, to sell products uh, in 50 countries and and everything from the Apple stores and Walmart's to you know to partnerships with big insurance companies and Verizon and, and others and um, exited out of that about five years ago and started a nonprofit in the security sector also about 15 years ago same idea and the concept being how do we help um, religious communities schools and nonprofits protect themselves. And, um, and that um, became what's now the largest security, uh, we believe the largest security focused nonprofit in the country, um, you know, that has raised tens of millions of dollars and staff around the country and, and um, training thousands of people to protect their own, you know, schools and religious sites um, is growing rapidly. And unfortunately, because the need is there. Um, and, um, crypto, um, 
I, I, I've been involved as a passive, you know, uh, uh, acquirer of crypto uh, for a number of years. Uh, and a few years ago, I was working with some of my, um, you know, some guys I've worked with in the past. Um, and we were actually trying to solve problems for um, still the security kind of apparatus, law enforcement, military. And this wasn't a company, it wasn't consulting. It was At the time, it was just, is there an interesting problem here to solve? And we spent time with uh, traveling around to a number of different law enforcement um, around the country, uh, meeting with chiefs of police and others about issues they were having with military as well, uh, mostly in the U.S., but also um, a little bit in Israel. Spent time in Tampa and D.C. and other other places, and and um, we kept coming back to blockchain um, as a tool that could help solve some significant like problems they they were trying to solve. And we kept hitting more and more roadblocks with blockchain. It just it's it's a um, you know we we saw it as a tool that was saying the right things, the things we believed in. Like let's decentralize everything and let's um, let's create a fair world and let's get rid of the middleman and let's empower people with their own information. But then at the same time, the solutions ended up being all about um, either crypto, like tokens, the, the currency side, uh, or um, some peripheral area like NFTs. And, uh, but not the military had no use of blockchain, like basically zero. I mean, the law enforcement had less than zero. We spent time with big retailers who, and big insurance companies who said, oh yeah, blockchain. I, we looked at that in 2018, 2019, you know, enterprise blockchains. We have the guy, you know, the mid-level manager who like, this is our blockchain guy, go talk to him. And we're like, no, no, no. We're like, we're not trying to pitch anyone on blockchain trying to look at the problems that these companies are having and seeing if blockchain is a tool that can help solve them. And so we got into it um, not because we were enthusiasts, which we were, um, not just for ideological reasons, although I think we had them pretty strongly, but because we were just shocked that no one else was do doing it. <laughs> like no one else was saying like, can blockchain solve like real business problems? Um, and the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we like to joke that, you know, there's like 10 million users a day of Tinder and Ethereum has three, 400,000 daily users and a lot of value and it's fantastic. And I use it and it's like, and it's great, but it's, but if we want to like bring real value, um, both from a actual practical standpoint, but even a philosophical one, uh, a new type of tech needs to be built. And, and so it was, um, we came, we came to this just based on like, it just felt like we had to, we had to solve this. Got it. And so you ended up, uh, as the founder of Seneca blockchain, can, yeah. can you describe, um, what Seneca is and, and sure. what, your, what, what, what is it, its purpose? So Seneca is a layer one, uh, permissionless blockchain that, um, we created a, a structure called zero knowledge environments, which essentially allows for cloud-like applications to be built in a fully trusted decentralized way. So um, we can onboard developers that are used to building on cloud, even on, on uh, 
the AWS or other tools, and they can build in a very similar way full applications and that application and all the critical functions of that application um, can become decentralized in this zero knowledge environment. And zero knowledge environment means the entire environment, not one function, exists in this um, in, in a in a structure where all the information is fully um, usable and functional like an application, but protected. So you can run everything from like a generative AI system in this ZK environment, full system, not a, you know, some kind of a um, representation of the system. And the outputs and the inputs are fully controlled through the smart contracts in the environment. So it allows for a business, be it an insurance company, you know, real estate, uh, oil and gas, um, anyone to create a normal application that they would, that they would build anyway. Um, but now all the information is protected. So if you are running an app, you don't need to provide access to 10 parties for every, for all the data. So we dramatically can reduce like cybersecurity risk. We can dramatically reduce even regulatory risk because you can run an app without actually accessing anyone's private data. And so it, it we, we think it fulfills a lot of the vision of what blockchain is supposed to be by essentially, it's a blockchain built for everything that's not DeFi and, and NFTs. I mean, you, essentially you can run that too, but that's, those are the, those are the areas that aren't our focus. DeFi, NFTs, and gaming, we kind of said on the side, there's enough people thinking about how to solve problems in those spaces. And we're looking at issues and problems and everywhere else. It, it sounds like it's uh, pretty much an institutional focus and institutions really value privacy. Is that part of it? I think so. Yes. I mean, we have, um, the, the, uh, the most, you know, we have thousands of just everyday developers and startups on board. Sure. Uh, but, and they're the ones that will give us the fastest feedback and test new features. But yes, the, the focus of our, of what we're doing is to um, enable, like, I mean, what we call um, real world applications. So yes, institutions, um, government, uh, large enterprise companies. Uh What's your vision for the for the company going forward? What, what, how would you like to see it scale? What's the final result desired here? Well, the the blockchain, like many others, is is um, being built as fully permissionless. So we we um, you know and and in the foundation. So we we're, we're building this. Um, we want obviously want this to be successful, but we want this to exists in a way so it's not like Adam's blockchain or, or someone's blockchain. It's it it's there so that anyone can build an application. And our our goal is to have this be the the kind of fundamental building block for uh, what a trusted uh, application of the future relies on. We and we measure that by by what you know what I mentioned before the daily active users. We you know we want to I think we'll get there long before, but our goal is to have more deactivated users than Ethereum and other blockchains by the end of next year. So, as the as the founder of a layer one, what's a typical day like? I, I guess you can ask any any startup founder will probably say the same thing. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter, you know, crypto, blockchain or not. Um, my main job is uh, my job is. I mean, it's not that it's easy, but it's pretty straightforward. I just need to find people that know what they're doing and help them do it and protect them and give them as much, you know 
runway and and strength and and you know good colleagues as possible and that's really my job it's uh i learned that a long time ago when i you know was we were building like hardware products and you know the previous company and i never built hardware before and and um someone asked how we were accomplishing it and, and doing it so well and it was just like I, i'm not i mean i hired that guy knows how to manufacture that guy knows you know it's the same thing here it's um we need to to find smart hungry creative people many of which have experience in this domain and many of which don't but are just able to figure it out like figure things out and that's kind of the the trait that, that like any startup looks for um web3 it's the same we, we um you know, we, if we were just copying what someone else was doing, I'd say there may be more of a charted path. Like you could you know, go on chat GPT, say like, what, what am I supposed to do today? But like, there's probably <laughs> less of, um, less of that when, when it's all new and we're discovering every day. It's awesome. What advice would you have for a transitioning veteran if they're thinking about getting into web three? Um, I'd say a few things. Number one, read as much as possible. Uh, there's, ton of resources out there um, and and bring the passion that I think many veterans have. And it's like, you know, the philosophical passion of why do you join in the first place and, and, and why were you in the military? And everyone has their own story, but I think a lot of people, you know, really believed in the cause of, of supporting the country and, and um, democracy in the, in the future. And some have some have uh, been fulfilled in that cause. Others may have come out a little more jaded, but I think Web three is very similar. I think there's a lot of not everyone, but there's a lot of what we call in our company like true believers. Like people are in this. I mean, I have team members who've told me they'd work for free if if needed in in doing what they're doing. I think for for military veterans, it's uh, start with that start with that passion and use that passion to get educated to learn as much as possible. And like in the military, at least where I served, you know, you, a lot of people, you could get, move ahead and, and get done what you wanted to get done. If you were flexible and you, you volunteered and you made yourself available. And I've seen that attitude on people that I've hired in the past. We have a, half our team are veterans, either of the U S or of uh, Israeli military. That's incredible. Um, from, from junior to like, uh, to, uh, Gen to generals, like, you know, um, to like very senior, um, experienced, uh, uh, generals and, and, um, it's just a different mindset often where, um, people are, are willing and able to figure things out, to get educated and to dive into the task at hand. Um, and startups are hard and web three is hard and making a difference is hard and, and, um, and so the other, I guess the other trait would be just be willing to have grit and, and, um, and dive in and, and hopefully the companies you find will appreciate that. I know a lot do, you know, you're mentioning that the leaders at city, so a big company cared about, it. I think a lot of leaders in web three understand and appreciate, um, that kind of mentality. I appreciate that answer. So. In crypto right now, we're kind of still in this winter period. Yes, we've had a bit of a rally earlier this year. Um, and a lot of people have their heads down. But, you know, for others, we're still super excited about the future of Web3. What excites you about the future and what excites you about Web3? 
Yeah, I think it's a, um, yeah, they call it a winter, but I think the main thing it did is flush out, you know, a lot of the NFT bros who are now, you know, AI bros, I guess. And, <laughs> um, and, but like, I mean, there's so many interesting pro projects going on. You know, what excites me is, um, is, is, is kind of, is so closely tied to the, uh, foundation of, of America and how America uh, started and to, you know, to be a little philosophical from it. I mean, you know, America was founded because of centralized government that tried to control um, people with um, most sometimes reasonable, but often unreasonable um, ways, uh, taxes and, and uh, regulation and other other things that um, they, didn't, they didn't have an understanding of the local population. And even if they did, they tried to exert their control and power and it became more and more oppressive. And, um, you know, the, it's the, this kind of um, uh, fight against centralized bodies you know, from, the, uh, from the philosophy of John Locke to the present, I mean, has been constant. And, and I feel like we're very much in that same, thought, that same fight now. We have centralized governments that are getting more powerful. We have big companies, especially big tech, that's getting more powerful. We have AI that where, which is fantastic. I mean, I'm not against AI or any of these things. It's, I use it every day, different tools, but people are entering more and more private information and companies are entering more private personal information. They're pulling more private and personal information from their customers. And this is not gonna, you know, when Google came out and said, oh, no, 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 we don't, we're not, Kind of look at any of your data. I mean, we've been there. Like we've, we're not, we're not learning. And um, the world of blockchain, um, starting with currency, which is you know what decentralizing currency, the world of blockchain is the way out of that. It's a path that can give us like we can have our cake and eat it too. We can have the AI world of AI. We can have the world of tech, but we can have it in a way that we don't need to give up our own like liberty, which is defined in a large part by this important part of our life, like our data. We don't need to give all of that up in order to get some kind of return. Doesn't mean we can never give, don't have to ever give anything up. There can, there can be an exchange, but if we're empowered to understand and have control over what that exchange is, that that is something that, um, that Web3 can bring and, and will bring, and we're on the path to bring. We're doing, you know, we're trying to do our part at Seneca, but there's lots of parties that are involved in projects that um, that are, are doing that. I mean, of course, there's a side of Web3 that's that's more about fun or, dare I say, gambling, you know, on, on the next project. Um, but I think there's a lot of serious um, projects going on that can have a significant impact that have had and will continue to have, I think, on, um, on just our, our everyday life. And it's the right, it's the future. Um, and if people are interested in, even in AI, there's the, the whole world of AI meets crypto. And I, and I really believe that um, it, even though we're in this winter period, it still is the future. A thousand percent agree. Um, I talk about this often where Web3 allows us to put private property into the internet for the very first time. And, you know, wouldn't it be great if we were able to take control of our own data and monetize it as we see fit? You know, taking yep. sovereignty, you know, getting sovereignty back. Um, so 100% agree with that assessment. Um, 
and it does feel like we're onto something very big. You know, we spent a lot of time as well in the intersection of AI and, and blockchain. And uh, I, I feel like there's going to be a pretty big battle in front of us. You know, do, does is AI dominated by these closed, centralized ecosystems that create outputs in their own image and their own desire, or is it subject to open uh, training, et cetera? So I, I think you're onto something. And, and I'm actually very excited about uh, the technology. We see incredible founders in the space. Yeah. Um, so, hey, another question, you know, you, you, you said you've, you have a bunch of vets on the team. Are you hiring? Do you know folks that are hiring? Any advice for people that are looking for jobs? Well, we are hiring. We're always hiring. Um, we are um, most of typically most of our posts are engineering these days. I think as we grow and scale, that may change. I, I've been on a uh, multi-year quest of finding a, a great chief of staff, which I think is um, something that uh, military, you know, folks in the military are um, maybe well suited for also. Uh, that, of course, the term that came out of that world. Um, and, um, and what I think my advice would be to, um, to not act like, uh, a millennial and be more aggressive in the job search process. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many, I mean, the, the number of applicants that we have now compared to a year ago is 10 X it's, wow. I mean, it's, it's the market is different. I mean, I guess we're, we're bigger and growing and more visible, but, but, um, the number of, of applicants that do anything beyond just hitting submit in the resume is is almost is close to zero, and um, and there are easy ways to stand out, and so being taking that kind of aggression that I'm sure a lot of vets have, and using that to your advantage, and just doing some work, and 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 when reaching out to uh, founders, like first just reach out to them. You don't need to you can submit, but then take the next step and learn something about the business and give a suggestion or, you know, do something that, um, which can be minor and take 10 minutes that could make you stand out. Um, I think that that veterans could be well suited for thinking about job search in a different way and be willing to take some risk yourself. Like maybe take it on a position that, that breaks you into a field that you might be slightly uncomfortable with, or you may think is, even beneath you, what you can achieve, but startups are environments, especially with that, where people can grow and evolve very, very rapidly into different positions and, um, being aware of that and, and diving in into it, I think is, uh, I mean, it's a good strategy for anyone, but I think veterans are are well suited for that. Couldn't agree more. And, uh, how do people uh, connect with you, Adam, and how do they learn more about Seneca? Yeah, I mean Seneca. Uh, our there's our sister company, like the the uh, for-profit organization is called Serve S C R V. So you can email me at adam at joinserve.com or find out more Seneca.tech, um, you know, or anywhere Discord or or um, Twitter or anywhere else. And um, you know, hopefully, hopefully this can inspire a number of veterans to be part of our community and just in general to to embrace. Web three a little bit more. You know, we need those voices. We need that experience in, in this world. Really appreciate it, Adam. Just wanted to again thank you for coming on. Really, really appreciated yep. your your really thoughtful remarks today. And um, for those of you who are interested in learning more about Vita, uh, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. And if you have people that you want to recommend 
uh, for future episodes, please connect with me at uh, PerkinsCR97. Adam, really appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk soon, man. Thank you so much. And again, I also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca, uh, for doing what you do. And and we're deeply appreciative of your support. For those interested in learning more about Vita, please connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Please hit me on Twitter at PerkinsCR97. Thank you so much, everyone. See you next time.